obviously. Um, I'm a huge Caps fan. I always have been. And to be there at that game with my teammates and for us to bring, you know, our gold medals to to there and share it with everyone in this area was really, really special for me. And just the support and it's been tremendous from everyone in this area. And you could feel that there at that game. Welcome to Sports on the Hill podcast. Hashtag DC Sports Without the Politics with Carol and Robbie on True Radio Network. Monday Night Sports on the Hill Podcast, True Radio Network, episode 239, CP3 coming to you live from the lab. Robbie G coming to you live from the man cave. Bringing you the best DC sports coverage around, even in the <clears throat> dark times we're facing with the Nationals. They're currently playing the Phillies right now. They're down seven to three in the top of the fifth. Uh, this game uh, definitely took a turn in the last couple of innings. The Nats came back and made it a three-two game in the uh, bottom of the third. Unfortunately, in the top of the fourth, uh, Josiah Gray had some control issues on over the bases and they got a RBI triple clearing the bases and extending the lead and that's been you know chipping away got another run but they're down seven to three currently in the top of the fifth trying to call their way back in this game we'll talk about that in the second half of the show after we talk some Washington football team with the tomorrow cut day at 4 p.m. We uh, got a chance to see the team in the final preseason game against the Ravens, looking to extend their 19-game uh, preseason winning streak. So we'll definitely talk about that coming up shortly before we get there. Robbie G, how are you doing tonight, good sir? I'm doing okay. How am I coming in? Sound pretty good. You sound pretty good. All right. Sounds good. Yeah, it's uh... – been an interesting week, as you said. This Phillies game is 7-3 right now. In the top of the fifth, uh, there's a base runner on um, for the Phillies, and uh, we'll see if they're going to do more damage. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, been a rough week for uh, for uh, DC sports fans. I'm actually repping the very first time ever wearing the purple uh, District of Champions, and that's because uh, a purple team came and just walloped us. I, I couldn't feel, I didn't feel right wearing the burgundy th- today, uh, Carol. So my wife actually has this uh, District of Champions purple merch, and so I figured it was a little bit fitting to, for the first time ever on the show to break it out. Uh, I, you got to tap tip your hat to them. I mean, I know that preseason records don't mean a lot, but now they have set the record for most preseason wins in a row. 
for any NFL uh, franchise in history. So um, be interesting to see if there's any carryover, good or bad, from that. But it was a, a pretty tough watch uh, for Washington football team fans. But, you know, honestly, the, the Ravens, I think, lost bigger, even if not on the scoreboard, you know, some key injuries for them. I think they would argue that they wish the game was closer if they could have got out of that game healthy. Um, you know, as someone who does root for both teams, I, I was disappointed in the outcome for both teams in some ways, you know, so, um, you know, which is tough to say with such a blot, you would think, oh, the Ravens, if you, you like the Ravens, you should be excited about that. But like you lose a key player, you know, in a, in a relatively meaningless game, uh, it's, it's a tough pill to swallow. I know a lot of Ravens fans are pretty upset. Hey, honestly, I mean, the score, 37-3. If you look at it, the Ravens played their starters for a quarter and a half. Washington didn't play their starters at all, which caught me off guard because earlier in the week, Coach said that their starters were going to get some play in the game. But uh, after the game, he said the reason why he didn't have the starters in because he wanted to avoid injury, which we saw with J.K. Dobbins with the Ravens, blew out his ACL, and he's gone for the season. Unfortunately, like we say, in the meaningless game, uh, Harbaugh definitely was dead set on breaking the record. That was something that was important to him. Um, like I say, the score 37-3, you know, wasn't indicative to the game. Like I say, preseason, you more checking out the players, trying to make the team see how they react to the pressure situation of trying to uh, make the team knowing that they're on the bubble, you know, yada, yada, yada. Baltimore looked like they game plan for this game. Washington, not so much. Uh, they mentioned it during a broadcast with the uh, Washington football team having two games in 10 days in the first two weeks that they, you know, they game plan for the Chargers and they have to get ready for the Giants for that quick turnaround game on Thursday in week two. So they were really, you know, vanilla in this game and didn't really game plan for this. And they were just, you know, putting players out there to see how they perform. You saw Kyle Allen started the game and Steven Montez finished the game. You know, you saw flashes with Jerry Patterson. You know, you saw Peyton Barber out there. I feel he's fighting for a job. I feel like he might be a cut because Patterson uh, definitely isn't going to make it to the practice squad from the preseason that he had. So they're not going to be able to uh, release him. I think he's going to clear waivers. And he played himself onto this team. So. He, uh, you know, had a couple of drops yesterday in the passing game. I mean, Saturday in the passing game that uh, we didn't see in those first two. Hopefully, you know, that doesn't carry over to the regular season. Because uh, both of the plays that he did drop the ball, he was clearly <clears throat> looking to make a move on the defender that was closing in before he got the ball. And we've seen it hundreds of times when a receiver does that. So I'm looking at, you know, just a few things. That, you know, he saw his hands in the previous games. And so I reacted, he didn't go with the ones and twos. So I think he's definitely played himself onto the roster. But, um, yeah, it's unfortunate the season and injury for the running back. Because uh, he's definitely a key piece to their offense. But they uh, definitely look good in what they were doing, especially with uh, Huntley in there. I mean, they got two sacks on Jackson for his first action in the preseason. So that's always a, a good thing, even when you have your, your backups in there who's fighting for a job. 
But uh, all in all, it was, you know, the score was, you know, indicative of the game. Baltimore held held the ball for, I believe, 43 minutes of the game. So they pretty much dominated in every aspect. The offense couldn't get anything going. Three and outs uh, for the first what, five or six possessions. So, yeah, yeah, I just think it was a lack of game plan with the backups on against the Ravens starters. It, uh, you know, he got a 37-3 score. That's just my, you know, broad opinion of the outcome of the game. Yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. Awesome. Good news, uh, Carol. I was able to share to all the groups the single one from our page for the first time in a bunch of weeks. I just went very, very slowly, uh, but it, it let me share one post to all of them. So I will. I'm, I'm excited to see. Hopefully people will be able to tune in, ask questions. If anyone has any questions on that feed, I'll bring them in uh, as well. But um, I guess that's the key is if you don't do it, too fast maybe you can slip by but anyway uh we've been frustrated with facebook talking about them offline so hopefully maybe the maybe the tides are turning so um uh but yeah it's it's frustrating because i don't know what to make of this uh of this game because obviously the the big stars weren't really playing much it's a way to sort of test out to see how that the bottom part of your team shapes out like how do you get down to 53 uh, and you're playing against a Ravens team that's really good. So I guess that's in some ways good to serve a barometer if you, you don't want to play a bad team that last week and not have that be you know, somebody comes out and looks amazing and then maybe they're not really that amazing, you know? So, um, seen that before. yeah, so it's, it's interesting to see with having three preseason weeks instead of four, how teams had to play it very differently. It'll be interesting to see yeah, how it go, how it shakes out, you know, we're going to have a week off now and then we're going to go into the regular season. And how is that all going to play out? You know, I'm, I'm fine with having a relatively mediocre preseason. If that means we hit the ground running, but Carol, from what you've seen so far, do you think going, you know, into these first few games that they've set themselves up well for success? Uh, from the sample side as we've seen on the field against uh, competition, uh, the, the starting offense hasn't gotten in zone, so that's always concerning. But <clears throat> excuse me, with new quarterback, new pieces on offense, and shuffling offensive line, trying to figure out which is the best fit, definitely played a role in that. So, you know, not making excuses for them, they're trying to you know get their combination together. You know, you have a couple of players that haven't been playing. Samuel hasn't been on the field. Luckily, he's been in the playbook before, so hopefully he's studying and it shouldn't be too hard for him to get back on the same page with the offense once he does get on the field. Uh, that's the only thing that mainly concerned me about the uh, starting offense. The defense looks like it's ready to go. I'm anxious to see uh, – who makes the team tomorrow at 4 o'clock because there's a lot of competition, there's a lot of talent, and I can't wait to see the folks that they're going to have out there on the field and how they're going to mesh together, play together, and hopefully make this team defense uh, tops in the league. They uh, set a high, a high bar for themselves last year. Definitely have to uh, build off of that and continue to grow and get better as a defense so they can help dictate the pace and aid the offense and give the offense, you know, more opportunities, you know, sometimes on the short field or, you know, giving three and outs like we saw 
our offense on uh, Saturday continued to give Baltimore the ball. And uh, even on the first quarter, they didn't really score in the second quarter. They put up 16 points uh, to give them some separation. So that's what you want to see from your defense transition and offense to give your offense the ball, to give them more chances to score and in better field position. Because you're not always going to get 80-yard drives when you're know, kicking off or 75-yard drives with the ball to 25 when they kick off and everything. So, you know, the defense, I feel, is definitely, as everyone always says, the defense is going to be the key to this team. If they're able to, you know, force turnovers and get off the field on third downs, get three and outs, then that's going to help the offense, you know, get his rhythm going and find what works. Because they definitely have the time and uh, all the skill positions now. And, yeah, it's just a matter of time. And Scott Turner still coming into his own as offensive play caller you know, basically building this team. Um, like I said, I'm not really going to critique his play calling because, like we said earlier, it was vanilla. So can't really be too critical of his play calling right now because you don't want to put too much stuff on tape for folks to have during preseason because then they can scheme for it when they play you during the season if they see some of your tendencies or the plays that you call. So, you know, that's some of the reasons why they don't show too much in preseason to basically putting the players through the reps to see against different against competition to see how they perform and see how they react to the pressures of the game and see if they can hopefully, you know, help the team become better. So that's where we are right now. Uh, yeah. It's, trying to be optimistic about the offense, but like I said, not seeing the score touchdown does have me a little, you know, concerned. Yeah. It, it's going to be an interesting year i would say just to sort of how you go you know we we finally had an off season with this coach and with this system and i agree they just haven't showed us everything that they had yet i was very impressed with how they ended last year and i'm curious to see how they're able to bring some of that momentum forward into this upcoming season uh the teams in our division did not fare well I, again i know it's preseason i don't want to put too much stock into it but we're the only team to have won a game in the preseason in our division uh, at, you know, which is, and Dallas had four chances. We only had three, you know, so like, you know, <laughs> who knows what that really means, but like, it doesn't look like this division is filled with world beaters. Right. You know, like it's not, it's not like I saw any of those other teams and I was like, Oh man, it's the, Eagles of the Super Bowl team a couple of years ago or the Giants of the Super Bowl team or the, or the Cowboys of the 90s, you know, so like it's not this division's ripe for the picking, right? And we have a veteran quarterback and I got to ask you, you know, Fitz, you know, Magic, he's good for a certain number of games every season. There's a reason why he hasn't been a starter in so many teams in this league, right? He's often that guy that comes in and saves your butt in this moment, and he comes in and has this like glory, like fourth quarter comeback story. Like, how many times have we heard that? Like, one a season, I want to say, for his whole career. But when he's put in the starting role, I feel like he falters a little bit. So, what what is your assessment of that? And how do you how does he compare to like an Alex Smith that we had last year, who obviously you know was a game changer for us? Um, that's the that's the early book on Fitzpatrick. 
Uh, Eric, yeah, you say you need to turn the volume up. Uh, turn my levels up. You said mine on my end, but the, I did see that. Sorry, I meant to say that on, that he messaged it. Yeah. But with Fitzpatrick, if you look at his um, numbers for the last three seasons, he's improved in his QBR. He's improved in his quarterback rate. His turnover ratio, touchdown interception ratio has gone uh, gone down. He's making better decisions. He isn't the uh, risk taker as he was early in his career. And the reason why in the recent starts that he hasn't finished the season as a star is because there was a young rookie waiting in the wings that, you know, the fans were clamoring for just because of his reputation of, you know, he's hot, he's cold, you know, he had turned into an interception machine. So I feel like at this stage of his career with the coaching staff and, you know, the knowledge and experience that he has that, you know, it's a, to me, it's a better chance of this going favorable than it, you know, turning into, you know, a whole debacle of him, you know, looking like Fitz tragic instead of Fitz magic. So, I mean, I'm, I'm confident in what I've seen from him over the last few seasons, you know, going back looking at his uh, play in Miami and in uh, Tampa Bay. And, you know, I have confidence that he's going to be okay. And then, if he doesn't, I have confidence that Heineke can come in there and do the job. Uh, as I mentioned last week, uh, I just hope he slows down and, you know, starts to stay in the pocket a little bit more. I love have they announced that he's the second spot over Allen yet? Uh, I haven't seen any announcement about it. I just saw the announcement that uh, not even a real announcement. Uh, Ian Rappaport said that uh, Fitzpatrick is going to be the starter. Uh, with Allen and uh, Heineke, I haven't seen anything uh, yet. We'll probably, you know, see a depth chart in a week or two unless Coach decides to, you know, real how it's going to fall out. But we're going to see definitely by 4 o'clock, you know, if they're going to carry three quarterbacks because it's 9 out of 10, Stephen Monte is going to end back on the practice squad again. And if they're carrying three quarterbacks or two quarterbacks, you mentioned last year we went through four. So it was a probably a higher probability they have keep three on the roster, you know, two active during the game day. So it's a, I don't know. I mean, Heineke, he has those intangibles. He has those, he has the hustle and you can see he has the grit and determination that you, you know, you want from your quarterback. Allen, he knows the offense. He, he can, uh, you know, he can buy time with his feet if he needs to, but he, you can obviously tell he's more comfortable uh, being in the pocket instead of, you know, leaving the pocket if things don't, you know, pan out his first and second reads. He is sitting in the pocket to try to let things develop. So it depends on where coach wants to go with it. I mean, honestly, Allen didn't really throw the ball too much. You know, he was mostly handing the ball off in both his uh, appearances in the game. So he threw the ball 22 times. Uh, I believe it was 10 for 22 for 100 yards. So two starts, he threw the ball in total of like 28 times. So uh, we're going to find out which way he, he goes with that because I'm definitely interested to see who's going to be the backup because, like I said, if Fitzpatrick does falter, you definitely want to uh, have that guy that's going to come in that can pick up. And so, so I got a question from um, Facebook for you. Uh, why does Washington start the season off every year slowly? And it's from Anthony Price. Uh, we can go back to the previous coach, uh, 
he didn't take preseason seriously. He didn't take training camp seriously. And we saw that that the team would start out slow and take some time to, you know, get in the rhythm and find themselves. Last year, with the first year under Coach Rivera, unfortunately, they didn't have training camp or OTAs. And the first four games of the season, you know, you saw the inconsistencies and the mistakes the team were making. They won the first game and lost the next three. That was like their preseason. And then they started getting things together and got hot towards the end of the season. So I feel that's why, in my opinion, that um, with them having preseason, train, a real training camp and OTAs, that they should start the season out, you know, in a better position and not playing from, you know, trying to come back and having to go on a, a big winning streak in order to try to make the playoffs. I said last week, I feel like they're going to go three and one in their first four games. Only loss I see coming is the Buffalo uh, on the road. They're definitely a tough team. Josh Allen has definitely uh, progressed and stepped his game up as a quarterback. They have good quality receivers and they have a nice defense. So, uh, but other than that, even though with the quick turnaround, uh, the first two weeks with the Chargers and the Giants, I feel like both of those games are winnable. Um, you know, the coaches that practice, you know, the media doesn't get to see everything. We get to see what's on the field and they're still learning, still trying to figure things out. Like I said, you got different players moving in different positions. So you really don't have a chemistry build up with the offensive unit, you know, you're plugging players in. So you're not really seeing a finished product. So that's why, you know, you don't want to be too critical of what you see on the field in preseason. You just want to, they're basically evaluating players. So unfortunately the previous coach didn't take preseason and training camp seriously. Uh, we definitely see how coach uh, takes it seriously. And he uh, definitely has the faith in his team the way he's preparing in the training camp. And we also have to mention, as we did last week with Big Hurt, how there have been no, you know, knock on wood, no injuries, no, you know, blown anything, no, you know, pulled hamstrings, nothing, because that goes to training and conditioning that we see that coaches couldn't improve, that they're ready to play football, they're ready to be a physical team and, you know, play 60 minutes of football and not, you know, a couple of quarters and having to come from behind all the time. So I'm, I'm feeling that uh, we're hopefully going to see a change in that this season with them having a training camp and preseason and working the kinks out and it's two-week stretch before the season starts that they'll, you know, have their designated starters and start to get some chemistry, some consistency, and look better than what we saw from the first-string offense uh, getting into the end zone because we know that's been the problem here for a while, settling for three instead of getting six. Yeah, for sure. I um, it'll it'll be interesting to see how we start off, you know, because it's a bit of a, a gap here, not quite two weeks, but it's it's a pretty long um, time between now and, and and game one. And I just hope that we're able to tune up. We have our first two games at home, you know, if we look ahead in in the schedule. And it'll be interesting. We got the Chargers. It's a one o'clock on Sunday, September 12th. And then this really quick turnaround on Thursday, September 16th against the Giants. So both are at home. And then we've got 10 days off until we go to Buffalo and then at Atlanta on Sunday, October 3rd. And that's kind of the first quarter or so of the season. So if people don't remember there's 17 games now instead of 16 um and then just real quickly it's new orleans kansas city green bay denver for like the next chunk of four 
Uh, so New Orleans is in Washington and so is Kansas City and then two road games, Green Bay and Denver. So it's this kind of pattern, two home, two road, two home, two road. And then we've got our bye week in week nine. And then we uh, start this kind of every other schedule. So Tampa Bay is a home game against the defending champions on Sunday, November 14th. It's a one o'clock game. And then it's at Carolina one on the following week. And then Seattle comes to town. We go to Vegas. Dallas comes to town on December the 12th. We go at Philadelphia. Time to be determined on Sunday, December 19th. And Sunday, December 26th, we're at Dallas. And then we end the season uh, with with a game at home against Philadelphia on Sunday, January 2nd. And then Sunday, January 9th, it's at the New York Giants. So the season goes a week later than it had in previous years. But we have to basically... For the last five weeks, play all divisional teams, which could work really in our advantage or could really screw us, um, I think. Uh, But it's going to be interesting. It's just so weird to me that the only time other than that sort of gauntlet right there that we play a divisional opponent is week two on this short week. And then we don't play anybody for like the whole season. It's just it's so bizarre to me, Carol. I can't get over it. Never try to understand the NFL schedule and the way they set things up. To me, it's always, you know, been an issue with some of the scheduling and some of the trips or the, you know, way they set things up. So, like you meant, we mentioned before, you know, we're the only team that has, you know, five division games at the end of the season. So, like I said, it could be to an advantage, but it's definitely going to be games that matter. So, I mean, we've seen this team last year when games matter, they – you know, they stepped up and did what they had to do, no matter who was that quarterback. So I think we, we get consistent play. It sucks that three of them are on the road, right? You know, like, it's just like, it's your entire slate of road divisional games. It's crazy. It's, 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 that's why I don't <laughs> mind road games, because in essence, sometimes the team focuses more when they're on the road because you simplify things. You know, you're all staying in the same hotel. You know, you're all going to the stadium together. You know, when you're home, there are a little bit more distractions. You know, sometimes you got to worry about getting tickets for folks and, you know, boom, boom, boom. But when you're on the road, it's more like a business trip. We've seen, you know, some of the other franchises say, you know, we're going on a business trip to handle our business, you know, and they handle it in a different mindset. So I don't really mind the, the road games because to me that's when the team is more focused because they know they're going into a hostile environment. You know, they might not get the the calls because they're on the road. You know, they might not the refs might not be in their favor. But don't even get me started. I was thinking about the wild card game here with Tampa. That's why I can't wait for that game in week ten. Because uh yeah, I hope the Washington football team has definitely have uh some 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 vengeful thoughts in that game. So some of the stuff that went down that didn't get called in that game. People forget that we lost to the eventual champions. And like I've always said that there's something like I know it's never good to lose, but at least you lost to the best team. You know, like it's not like we lost to like some schlub that then gets knocked out in the next round. I felt like they they shouldn't have been there because they had that game against the Washington football team where they got called correctly. They wouldn't have got past Washington, and you know they ran it. The next teams, the all the teams that they faced, they pretty much handled after that. But you go back and look at some of those uh, holding and you know blatant holes that 
when the defensive line was getting to Brady that they uh, didn't call and allow plays to, you know, get third downs and extend drives. Yeah, I, I know the defense was fed up. It was like I, I even showed a couple of steals. Of, they had some of the linemen in, 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 in headlocks in front of the ref, and the ref didn't call it. I'm like, uh, that should be at least a holding call or something. So that that's why I feel like, you know, that – I'm still salty about that game, and we know a couple of the players mentioned that in the uh, preseason that they had that game circled on their calendar because they felt like they, uh, they left a lot in the field because they did give up 500 yards of offense and didn't control the game the way they felt like they should. So they definitely uh, have something to prove. So I, I, I don't really put too much stock in the year losing to the eventual champion. I mean, it's cool. Yeah, it's Something you could put, you know, a feather in your cap, but it's still, you know, still not the best, not the same as winning it all and saying, you know, yeah, we did it. We ain't worried about getting beat by the team that did do it. Right. People are joining us on our Facebook feed. I appreciate it. Got a couple of quick questions. Um, do you see Matt Ioannidis staying with the team, Carol? This is, again, from Anthony Price. Uh, he actually has, I believe, two more years on his extension. He signed, I believe, two years ago. So he's pretty much locked in for the next two years. They want to make a decision on him. Um, the next person coming up for um, extension is Deron Payne. He still has another year because they extended the fifth-year option on him. Um, somebody is going to get lost in the shuffle with all of these first-round draft picks. Um, right now, I'm thinking Ioannidis – once his contract is up, he might be the odd man out one because he wasn't drafted by this uh, front office and, you know, he'll be a little bit older and they'll want to keep the younger guys around trying to keep that core together. So I feel like he, uh, once his contract extension is up, I believe it's two years, he'll probably, you know, be allowed to test free agency. And, you know, they have Tim Settle. Uh, they have a couple of guys that they drafted on the interior and the ex on the DN line, Shaka Tony, uh, King Bradley, uh, oh, uh, the, the guy from Europe, uh, Batter. He actually had a good game, had a sack and uh, four tackles, I believe. And with him, I found out because he's from the European leagues, he has an exemption. So they were actually, if they decided to keep him, he would be an additional man on a roster that wouldn't count against the 53-man roster. So that's something interesting. Yeah, they have a reserve B lineman that they can have on a team that wouldn't get count against the roster. So uh, I think uh, Ioannidis would probably, like I said, when this contract is up, he'd probably be the man that they'll let walk free via free agency, depending on how the team plays and how you know things pan out with the other players. But uh, they're definitely looking to re-sign uh, Ping, then you have Sweat coming up, and you have Chase Young. So I'm thinking they definitely want to try to keep that core together. Keep players like Tim Settle uh, might get lost in the shuffle of Matty and Nitus, you know, but guys that you're going to unfortunately lose. And that's the kind of the catch-22 with the team improving. Back in, you know, a few years ago, we would cut players that wouldn't you wouldn't see in the league ever again because they didn't have – you know, the talent, the NFL talent they needed, but this team was trying to put them in a position so they could so-called be NFL talent. But now you're going to see players that's leaving this team and going elsewhere that might, there were maybe backups here, maybe being potential starters there. 
that's a good thing in a way because that shows that your talent level is getting better. You're evaluating players better. You're drafting better. It's a bad thing because if they go somewhere else and they sell, you always think like, man, if we could have kept him here, you know, he could have done that here. But, you know, it's a business. You have to worry about the salary cap. And unfortunately, you can't keep everybody. And, you know, sometimes players do go elsewhere and, you know, play better or end up with better results than the team they were with. But like I say, now that you have more talent on the team than we did before, you know, some you have these hard decisions that the coaches are trying to make now that they have to cut down a 53-man roster that's from 80 by 4 o'clock tomorrow. So it, it's a it's a tough thing to see that. We always, I know I always talk about our homegrown talent when we draft them. I would love for them to develop and play here and stay here and play well. Uh, that's one thing that uh, Jonathan Allen mentioned in here when he got his extension that his plan when you know, he came into the league was to, you know, play for one team and, and retire with that team. And this extension will help possibly make that dream come true. And that's all I like to see, you know, players that we draft, you know, that means that they did a good job scouting them. They did a good job developing them and they did a good job putting them in position to excel in their position. So, you know, when you have things like that going, you know, you have to keep that in mind, even though when you do lose other good players because of the business of it, and sometimes, you know, sometimes it doesn't work out for the players you love. You know, the team has a plan. Hopefully the plan is effective. If it doesn't, then all the fans will be upset. Oh, you let this guy go and it didn't work out. You know, this didn't happen. But that's the chance that they're taking. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see uh, how the defense lines up. That's why I can't wait to see, you know, who gets signed and uh, who gets cut because that's definitely going to have implication on them. Salary cap is going to have implications on who gets resigned, but also the revenue. They say that the salary cap should be going up in 2023 by about between 15 and 20 percent. So, more salary cap means you know more contracts or bigger contracts or contracts you have to restructure to try to you know keep the talent on your team. So, all we can do is wait and see, man. Great question. I've got a couple other questions actually, um, real fast. Um, uh, Eric Jessup says, does our esteemed assemblage feel that the lack of offensive rhythm and production in the preseason is a concern? We addressed it a little bit at the start, um, but in case Eric missed it, what, what is your thoughts on the, the rhythm of the offense and, uh, and going forward? Uh, it's, still a move, it's still a work in progress. As I mentioned, you got Scott Turner, offensive coordinator, still you know finding his way as an NFL play caller, you know, developing this team, putting this team together. You know, it's a it's it's a difficult thing for offensive coordinator when you know putting everything together from scratch. So that's why I haven't been super critical of him. Uh, also, they've been real vanilla with what they've been calling because of the tough ten day stretch of having the Chargers and the Giants and having a game plan for both of those teams coming out of uh, training camp, which is what they're going through now. So most of the plays and play calling the game and lack of game planning for the preseason game show especially against Baltimore on Saturday, you know, Baltimore was pretty much blowing up everything they did in the first, well, the whole game pretty much. So, I mean, when you see when there's, you know, no game plan and no, you know, strategy to what they're trying to do, they just evaluated players and see how they perform, you know, on the big stage, knowing that they're playing for their basically football career and see how they go. So I think you're going to definitely see a difference in the regular season. 
I mean, like you say, you, you do have, you know, a reason to have concern. We know what this team has been offensively in the past, you know, settling for field goals and not getting touchdowns when needed. So, I mean, there's going to be a concern until we see it on Sundays, them being able to get into the end zone. But we've seen them be able to move the ball in between the 20s. You know, we've seen Fitzpatrick, you know, had some flashes of some chemistry with McLaurin and with the rookie Brown and, you know, with Humphreys with him spending time with him in Tampa Bay. So I feel like, you know, once the season starts and, you know, they get into the rhythm of the season, I think it's all going to come together, just like we saw last year. It took a little bit longer, like I talked about, about the preseason and with the different quarterbacks that they were going through. I feel like we get consistent quarterback play and, you know, Scott Turner understanding the strengths of his players that he has on the field out there and putting them in a position to win. The defense does their job, uh, either go beyond what they, you know, what they did last year. Uh, this team could win some games. Granted, they have a tough schedule, first place schedule, but I feel like this team has the, the, the talent to be able to repeat as division champs. Yeah. So um, uh, this top of the seventh just ended uh, with a, a play to second base, a force out. Uh, Phillies still up seven to four in the sixth inning. It was. Uh, interesting, um, but uh, you know some bad plays, and then they cleaned it up with some nice defensive plays on both sides of the field. Uh, so uh, you know some moments of interest, uh, but nothing you know ending up happening you know on the scoreboard side of it. But let's see at the bottom of the seventh if they can do some damage um, in this one. Um, and then, uh, so Anthony Price and, uh, Eric are talking about, uh, Brendan Sheriff. Um, Anthony was asking, how about Brendan Sheriff? I see us letting him go or trading him away. Most of the time when we tag someone, they walk. And Eric said, Sheriff was offered the highest money in the position. I don't think he wants to be here. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, Mr. Sheriff, yeah, he's playing the Kirk Cousins game, uh, franchise tag twice, says he wants to be here. Uh, rumor is, as uh, Big Hurt told us, that he wants to get a $100 million extension. And as I just mentioned, with some of the players, that they want to lock up and get the extensions on the defense side of the ball, um, I don't think it's going to happen. He um, he says he wants to be here, but for that, that money, for someone that's, you know, had injuries and had, you know, consistent injuries that kept him off the field for a full 16-game season. I believe he's only played a full season once in his whole career. So I don't think that they're going to – they don't – you know, he doesn't agree to the contract they put in front of him. I feel like they're going to let him walk. That's why, you know, this season is also critical and crucial going off into the line because of them uh, re-signing Eric Flowers. He's at left guard, but he can play right guard. Uh, we've seen them draft. We've seen them sign some uh, guards in the process. So, you know, I feel like if he does walk, they're still in a good position to uh, replace him. Might not be to the all-pro and Pro Bowl level of Sheriff, but, you know, as long as you get consistent play and the guy that does his job and, you know, can add to the line and make sure, you know, build, can continue the chemistry and cohesion, then, you know, the offensive line is going to be fine because he has a good group around him. And, you know, now it looks like uh, the rookie second-round pick, Cosme, looks like he's going to be the starting right tackle. So uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, definitely he can learn from Sheriff 
why he's here. That's one of the good things about having a veteran lining up beside a rookie. You know, he can learn so much on the field along with, you know, off the field. So uh, I think uh, Sheriff is pretty much done. I don't know if anybody is going to give him that $100 million being his injury history. But as I mentioned, the salary cap's going up. Some teams might, you know, figure that he's worth that. And if they feel like putting that money up for him, then they definitely will. So uh, I would love for him to stay here. Um, I'm not going to say I'm a fan of his, but I, I respect his body of work and respect what he does on the field. But if he walks, hey, like you said, they offered him top money at the position and he didn't take it. He wants to be a $100 million man. And with the pending contracts along with uh, on the defensive side, along with, you know, they got to get ready to resign Terry McLaurin. You know, his uh, rookie contract is going to be up soon. I believe he has another two years. I know they're going to have to exercise a fifth-year option if they don't resign it before then. But, yeah, they have a you know, lot of other folks that they will look to put that money into than uh, you know, a, a right guard that hasn't played a full season. That's, in my opinion, asking unreasonable money. Yeah. They, right. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Um, you know, the last time we've tried to pay someone a hundred million dollars, that didn't work out so well for us. So I, I don't necessarily love, you know, uh, how Albert Hainsworth and, and players seem that they can shake Dan down for big money. So it doesn't surprise me that this move keeps on happening in our history, right? This is not the first time players have asked for big money and, you know, sometimes they get it. So, you know, we'll be interesting to see. Um, Mr. Tom Gobble uh, wrote, Carol Porter, next time you're having a cookout, please give me more of a heads up. I need to get there and put my feed bag on. Uh, what you were cooking the other day had this fat boy slobbering. So <laughs> I thought that's a... I appreciate that. It's every <laughs> Sunday, every Sunday in Virginia. Yeah. Um, I grill before I show on Sunday at the Bar Radio at 6 o'clock. So I normally fire the grill up around 12, 1 o'clock. So... Yeah, um, I spit the pictures out of me, you know, getting ready to go over there, inbox me, or, you know, some comment. I'll let you know, man, you know, we don't have no problem folks coming through, enjoying some grub, bring something to throw in the grill or bring some cold adult beverages. You can check out the show on Sunday and just chill out with us, man. We don't mind having a studio audience, man. That's awesome. Uh, Eric said, um, <laughs> fat kid makes good already been NFL play, uh, paid more than a truck driver chill in the sunset and save his knees. Laugh out loud. <laughs> so that's pretty funny. Um, so I appreciate everyone for tuning in on, uh, on our Facebook feed. I know that, uh, Facebook did suppress it. Let me share to all the groups, but like three to five people in each group see it out of like these hundreds of people. So they're still, they're pretending they're not suppressing us, but they're still suppressing us. So, but I really appreciate people for breaking through the algorithm, finding us, uh, writing down some funny comments, some awesome insight and, uh, feel free to share it with your friends and let people know what we're doing out here. Um, it's a fun show. We love the interaction. We love the audience participation. We love the questions, keep them coming. Um, but uh, I, I think we've beat this game to a, a dead horse. So we can maybe talk a little bit of baseball before we get out of here. I mean, there's not a whole lot more that I've got to say, you know, it's kind of a wait and see approach. We'll definitely know a lot more next week. Uh I don't know if I'll be on the air next week, but we might do a football preview. I know that Carol might do a, uh, another uh, video, you know, a solo show or something a little bit later on the week when they uh, recap the cuts. 
Uh, but before we switch, is there anybody that you know for sure that you think is getting cut that hasn't yet? Or any any thoughts you have on the cut down process uh, before we go into that tomorrow? Um, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting with the wide receivers uh, with uh, Antonio Gandy, uh, Antonio Gandy, Golden, Sims, uh, the seventh round pick, Dax Bill, uh, DeAndre Carter. The wide receivers definitely going to be interesting to see how many they keep and who they keep. Uh, same thing with the secondary. Uh, we've always had issues on the back end, especially at the safety position. Uh, this offseason, they definitely addressed those issues, and we have a lot of talent in the, uh, the secondary, along with the draft picks. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, who makes the team and going forward. Because I felt like they had a strong offseason. They didn't, you know, do anything crazy. They didn't overspend. They addressed the needs uh, of the team, and you know. They, they, they feel like they were in the right direction. The players are speaking of the uh, culture change and the way things are getting better, even Landon Collins from when he first signed, when uh, that previous coach was here, excuse me, until now, said that there's a, you know, a big difference that he noticed some things when he first got here that needed to get addressed. And since coaches come in, he's, you know, taking care of those issues. So I think the team is definitely heading in the right direction and hopefully, you know, by willing and you know, injury willing that this team can put together a couple of good seasons and you know try to make some progress and get to the promised land. All of us fans and lifelong fans want to see us and getting back to a Super Bowl and winning another. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, uh, so I'll leave it to you on whether or not we'll do you know something with some guests next week, and uh, and I'll take the week off for Labor Day, or if you want to just do it on some other day of the week or whatever. I know probably do uh, with cut down day tomorrow. Uh, normally Wednesday, you know there'll be a couple of moves made depending on who got cut from different teams. If the team is interested in them, they might bring them in and sign them, and then into somebody else getting cut. So I'm thinking maybe Thursday, maybe Friday, you might see me pop on with somebody. I'm going to reach out to a couple of our, you know, affiliates and see who might be available for something for like a roster breakdown show at the end of the week. And then uh, it will be off Monday for the holiday. Uh, Might jump on real quick and do a Nats recap or something or might just cover it in the following week when we come back when football season starts. So. Uh, right now we're going to play it by air, but I'm going to see if I can get something on the air uh, this week with the roster breakdown, with everything, with the cut down and everything. And then we'll play it by air on uh, next week with the next recap since uh won't have any preseason football. So I don't know. I might jump on real quick, just do a quick something and then get off or might just wait till the following week. Not sure yet. Right. Sounds good. I'm just sharing to a couple of baseball groups real quick and we'll, uh, We'll switch gears, um, and uh, I just added an, another logo in there. We'll talk about um, this Nationals team for a couple of minutes. I'm going to go just check on little Z. He went to, to bed just to make sure that everything is cool upstairs. But just real quickly, break down uh, the week that was for the Nationals, and I'll be right back. No doubt, no doubt. It's a current game. Nats Phillies is seven four, top of the eighth. Uh, one out, uh, one, a man at the plate. Uh, one two count. 
Uh, the Nats didn't fare as well this past weekend, uh, past week as they did the week before when they won three games out of five. This week, they only won two games out of six. Uh, they're currently sitting 55 and 74. They're fourth in the East. Um, they're four and six in the last 10 games. And, you know, we've seen some of the same inconsistencies with pitching and, you know, lack of offense and sometimes the bullpen and now they don't have a bona fide closer. So, you know, sometimes the guys are putting out there are giving up leads and, you know, unfortunately blowing saves and losing games. But um, like I say, it's a building process. They're, you know, going through the process now at the end of the year. So that way, you know, they can try to, figure out who should be there and develop some of these young players that they have on the field now and see if they're MLB quality that can help this team win and get back to the winning that we're used to and winning division titles and making the playoffs. Um, they had two three-game series last week, one versus Miami and one versus the Mets. Uh, they're in a division, you know, section of the season right now. They're playing the Phillies right now and have a series with the Mets again uh, at the end of this week. Uh, they lost two out of three to the Mets. They won the first game of the series, five to one. Eric Fetty had a very, uh, very good outing. He uh, earned a victory that puts him at six and eight. He went six in the third, giving up six hits, one run with 10 strikeouts and one walk. Uh, Jacob Lozardo took the loss that dropped him to four and seven. He uh, went four and two thirds, giving up four hits, five runs, seven strikeouts and one walk. Trace Barrera went three for four with a two run home run. And Ryan Zimmerman went one for five with a two run home run. Uh, second game of the series was a four three loss. Uh, Dylan Floral earned the victory. That put him in five and four. He went one inning, giving up one hit, no runs with a strikeout and no walks. Uh, Kyle Finnegan took the loss. Drops him to four and five. He went a third of an inning, giving up one hit, one run, with no strikeouts and no walks. Josh Bell went one for four with a two-run home run. And Yadier Hernandez went one for four with a solo home run. Uh, the final game of the series was a seven to five loss. Uh, pronounce his first name, last name, Hernandez for Miami. Earned a victory that put him at one and one. He went five innings, giving up six hits. Two runs, one of those earned with four strikeouts and one walk. Uh, Patrick Corbin took the loss. That drops him to 7-13. and 13. He only lasted three innings, giving up four hits, six runs, three strikeouts, and two walks. And Dylan Floro earned the save, his sixth of the season, going one-third of in and giving him no hits, no runs, with no strikeouts, and no walks. Juan Soto went one for three with a two-run home run and two walks. And Josh Bell went two for five with the RBI single. We definitely can see the changing of the tide with this team because uh, this team has dominated the Marlins for the past, uh, I don't know, five or six seasons with the Marlins going through their rebuild and new uh, ownership. And you gotta bear with me, I unplugged my headphones. And um, <clears throat> just the fact that they lost two out of three to a team that they've dominated. I, Remember the record, they were like 17 and five over the last 22 games against this team. And, you know, it sucks to you know, go through this lower right now, being uh, 
13 games under 500, but it is what it is. You can't be on top all the time. We were there when they came into the, the nation's capital and, you know, 100 lost teams back-to-back, and we turned it into a winner. And now we just got to go through the rebuild again. Unfortunately, we can't be on top all the time. They traded away some of the youth for that run in 2019, so they have to restock the cap. Uh, the uh, second series was against the Mets, who they unfortunately lost two out of three to also. They won the first game uh, uh, two to one. It was an entertaining guy to watch that one. I haven't had a chance to watch a lot of Mets baseball lately, but I, I did get a chance to check that game out. Uh, Paolo Espino earned the victory for the Mets. I put him at four and seven. He went five innings, giving up three hits, one earned run with seven strikeouts and one walk. Uh, Rich Hill took the loss that dropped him to six and six. He went five innings, giving up five hits, two runs, eight strikeouts, and no walks. And Cal Finnegan earned to save his sixth of the season. He went one inning, giving up no hits, no runs, with no strikeouts, and no walk. Uh, Juan Soto went 0 for three, but had an RBI ground out, and Josh Bell went one for four with the RBI single. Uh, the second game of the season uh, series was a five to three loss. Trevor May earned the victory. That put him at six and two. He went one inning, gave up two hits, one run with two strikeouts and no walks. Uh, Ryan Harper took the loss. They dropped him to zero and one. He went uh, a third of an inning, giving up one hit, two runs with no strikeouts and no walks. And Edwin Diaz earned his twenty-six save of the season. He went one inning, giving him no hits, no runs, strikeout, and no walks. Uh, Lance Thompson went two for five with the RBI double. And Escobar went three for four with the RBI single. And the last game of the series was a nine to four loss where, <clears throat> excuse me, Tyler Meglin earned the victory that put him at two and three. He went five innings, giving him one hit, two runs, with five strikeouts and three walks. Eric Fetty took the loss. That dropped him to six and nine. He went five and a third, giving him five hits, six runs. Five of those earned with six strikeouts and one walk. Josh Bell went two for four with a two-run home run and a solo home run. And Juan Soto went one for two with two walks and a solo home run. Uh, yeah, this is an unfortunate stretch for the – Nets, like I say, last week they won three out of five. This week they won two out of six. And uh, they're behind by three now, late in this game. Hopefully they can, you know, get something sparking. Excuse me, find a way to come back and, you know, win this game and end that two-game losing streak. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's just been hard to watch Nets baseball a little bit now, especially not knowing most of the players that's on the team now. Like I mentioned last week, I didn't even know who Lance Thompson was. I mean, Lance Thomas was until, you know, I was watching the game. Like, who's this guy? And he's been playing center field and filling up for Robles, who hasn't been feeling well lately. And a lot of folks have been clamoring for Robles to be gone because of his uh, lack of uh, plate discipline and bad batting stats and numbers. But, uh, you know, he's a top outfielders and it's hard to just let that go. I understand the frustration, you know. I just, you know, I don't know what to do with him because you know he needs the speed to be a good leadoff runner, but he doesn't a uh, leadoff hitter, I mean, but he doesn't have the patience 
or the eye to be a good leadoff hitter. Uh, at the bottom of the lineup, I feel like he did play better. I feel like he should try to bunt for more base hits than trying to, you know, swing for the fences. You know, that'll, I think, serve him better. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's, uh, you know, you got to take the good with the bad. We, we was enjoying all the, you know, playoff runs and first place finishes and division titles. But now, you know, the true fans understand sometimes you got to go through the low points. And right now, it's not it's not as bad as it could be. You know, we've seen teams like Pittsburgh that uh, always aren't rebuilding mode, always 15, 16 games out of first place, you know, not even two, three months into the season. So, you know, it's not as bad as it could be. Right. So uh, Tom Cobble also asked, with the shredding of the team of the trade deadline, the trade deadline, do you see Soto signing a new deal or being traded or walk as a free agent? What What are your thoughts on uh, the future of Soto? Uh, I think they're definitely looking to re-sign him. They, uh, you know, plucked him out of Dominican under, under the youth contract along with Robles. Uh, he's definitely loyal to the team. He definitely wants to be here and wants to stay here. I feel like that was one of the reasons why uh, Rendon didn't get re-signed because they were, you know, getting money together. They could, get, you know, pay him because he's definitely going to, command a huge uh, contract. They're talking in a range of 300 million with uh, him being so young and having a plate discipline and, you know, the upside and the way his eye at the plate and his, his enthusiasm and love of the game that you can build a team around this kid. So I feel like that they're definitely going to do everything in their power to resign this kid. I don't see no reason why he wouldn't. Uh, Want to back, want to resign back to the team, especially you know, got a World Series championship with the team. You know, they uh, you know, saw the talent when he was 15, 16 years old, signed the futures contract, and you know, we know he's in for a big payday. So I don't, I don't see any reason why he he would end up walking or they would end up trading because I feel like he's a piece of the team, a piece of the future that can take this team, you know, where they want to be. You know, we thought it was Bryce Harper with all the hype and everything that he got coming up. First season that he was gone, you know, Juan Soto had to step onto the scene and help take this team to the uh, pinnacle of what they wanted. So it's crazy. It still blows my mind. It was the next year, right? Uh, Harper said, we'll bring a championship to Washington by accident. And then it turned out to be true. Like that, I will never. I, I couldn't write a better story than that if I tried. Like, and uh, I mean, I watched Harper fly out tonight. Like, and he's made some, you know, plays in today's game. But uh, I mean, the contract that he ended up getting from Philadelphia, I am so thankful that Washington didn't pay that. Right. I mean, he's never going to live up to that contract in my mind. Um, and to me, their team, like, that's a contract you give somebody if they're the missing piece and want to help you get over the hump and get the championship. But, yeah, to me, like you said, he's never going to live up to it. And to me, it was it was overkill because they have so many other holes that need to get filled by. Signing him isn't going to make them ultimately a World Series contender, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I, I agree. It's just kind of funny because – the way that Nats did it with like the oldest roster and like the unlikely heroes and as a wild card. And it was just, it was amazing to see, to hear that, have that story unfold when we get to cover it. You know, I think it's a, 
I think that's a unique thing, but like, I think Harper would have to win like two championships in those 10 years to make that contract worth it in my book. And I don't even know if they're going to get one. Um, and uh, it'll be interesting on the left. Uh, but I really appreciate everyone uh, for commenting in on the, on the Facebook live and we've got a live Twitch crew uh, shout out to, to Cliff and Carly uh, and DC's people's champ and uh, a bunch of other people uh, for tuning in. And uh, so I, I appreciate everyone uh, even if they're not, say, DC sports fans for coming through and, and just being a, a part of the energy and the vibe and what we're growing here. So I appreciate that. So, Carol, which game did you get up to um, in your recap? Were you, are you, did you finish them or are you still? Oh, yeah, that's the whole week. I was just about to go over the schedule and uh, we can wrap up with the uh, DC United talk and the Mystics talk and get ready to get about it. Perfect. That sounds good. All right. Uh, do you have the upcoming schedule or do you want me to run through it? Yeah, I got it right here. Uh, we got the uh, – you're playing the Phillies right now, which is a 7.05 start. Uh, so currently the bottom of the eighth. Man on still 7-4 Phillies lead. Man on first with uh, Yadio Hernandez at the plate with a 3-2 count. No man out. Uh, it's also a 7.05 start tomorrow and a 7.05 start on Wednesday. Thursday the Nets have off, and then they have a four-game series versus the Mets, which features a doubleheader on Saturday. Uh, Friday is a 7.05 start. Saturday is a 1.05 start for the first game of the doubleheader. Second game is a 6.05 start. And on Sunday, it's a 1.05 start uh, for the final game of the series. And it looks like it was a fielder's choice. And Yadi Hernandez uh, grounded out, but they didn't convert the double play. Yeah. He's safe. Yeah, it like he didn't he, he's safe. He's safe. Yeah, so it's, it's one out, one on bottom of the eighth. Um, so uh, uh, Ruiz, our catcher, uh, who's 0 for 3 in this and only has a um, 100 batting average right now, is up to plate. So, you know. He was just called up today. They actually <laughs> sent down Trace Barrera. I saw a couple of fans were upset about that. I believe he's a top prospect. This is his uh, second time up in the majors. He actually had an opportunity in, uh, I believe, the bottom of the second with the bases loaded, and he uh, flied out. Unfortunately, when uh, the Phillies had it, they started out with a 3 nothing lead in the first, and uh, he had an opportunity to try to add some, you know, get some runs and get him back in the game early. And unfortunately, he flied out. But uh, he's another prospect, like we mentioned, they want to get these guys out here in major league games to see you know, how they perform, just like we were talking about with preseason, with the players getting out there in the last preseason game. They want to see how they perform and see if they can help their team, you know, going forward with somebody that they can develop or somebody they need to just send back down or, you know, not even or maybe not even have on the team again. So, yeah, it's uh, interesting seeing the process go through, but this is what we have to go through to get back to the where we want to go and where we want to be at. Yeah, for sure. That's uh... – uh, yeah, I hope we get back there soon. I think it's only going to be a year or two. I, I really don't think it's a long rebuild. I think sometimes you just have to sit the, hit the full reset button and just like, you know, re-roll the dice, if you will. And I'm happy they did that because DC teams are notorious for like these partial like rebuilds and, you know, just trying to patch some pieces in here. And um, I hope that that works for like the Capitals and uh, it'll be interesting to see how the Wizards do um, this upcoming season. Um, as people may or may not know, uh, you know, I'll be taking a bit of a sabbatical 
uh, Carol will definitely keep the, the podcast going on his channel and on Facebook and stuff like that. So my, my Twitch channel will go a little bit dark for a little bit, you know, when I have a kid, but it'll be fun to come back and cover whatever happens. Oh my God. That was a terrible play by the Phillies. I'm sorry. Very distracting. There's three guys in the area and none of them made the play. Um, and, uh, so now we've got first and second one out. So, uh, coming up big, uh, bottom of the eighth, uh, only down three runs, um, sort of kind of like a bloop. And then where did it, where did it go? Why could no one get there? That's just, they had a couple of bloop singles tonight. Man, it found, I mean, there wasn't a lot of space between those guys. So it found that spot. So, but you'll take it, you know, you just move the runners, right? You know, okay. I mean, a walk off was always possible. It was only down by three. You got two men on, no out, bottom of the eight. Yep. One oh. out. Yeah, I mean, just do some damage, even if they could just tie it here. So, um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it'll be interesting to see uh, how the teams do. So, obviously, I won't be able to cover the beginning of the Wizards and Capitals season and not as much of, you know, we'll cover the first couple of games with you guys with the Washington football team. But, um, It'll be fun to come back in January and see where all this sort of shakes out with these teams because a lot of big moves across the board for some of the teams, but then the Capitals are just trying to retool, and uh, we'll see if, if that works out for them. They are so tight against the, the salary cap. Um, you know, Lundquist did end up retiring, uh, so, that, you know, uh, you know, congratulations to him. I don't know if we ever mentioned that on this podcast, but uh, – um, it's going to be an interesting next couple of months for Washington DC sports for sure. I feel like we're in a crossroads. I'm, I'm excited for the championships that we've had. Uh, but I also um, want us to get back there, you know? Yeah, it's so. all a process. Sometimes it takes time. We've seen some success uh, with the Mystics, with the Nationals, with the Capitals. And so they know how to get there and know how to win it. They just got to, you know, do it again. That's the hardest part, you know, it's, you know, it's already an accomplishment to be the champion, but it's always the hardest thing is staying champion. That's why it's been hard to repeat champions in any sport. We just saw Tampa do it in the NHL for the first time since, what, 2005 or six when Chicago did it. No, when uh, like Pittsburgh. Yeah. Uh, Sky, I didn't want to correct you, but. <laughs> yeah, I had it. I blocked out my mind. I had to remember just for sake of the podcast. I yeah, had. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's, that's it's brutal. Um, yeah, but we, we have a lot of other like winners in, of uh, of DC teams that I think we a lot of the major networks don't cover quite as much. Uh, but we always have uh, one of them being DC United, uh, one of the winningest franchises in uh, major league soccer now not in a while I'll, I'll, but early on they were like the green bay of soccer uh, winning a, a lot of early titles um and so real quickly i want to give an update to them because it's been a couple of weeks and we have since we have uh the august 15th 18th and 21st games were all losses that the last where we left them off i believe was august 8th when they won montreal impact game two to one so lost two to five Lost two to three, lost one to two. Uh, but uh, this past Saturday, they played the Philadelphia Union, and they uh, they scored four goals, uh, one against themselves and three positive goals, um, and won the game three to one. Uh, so uh, in soccer, it's a weird sport. It's unlike hockey, if people don't know. It's not the last offensive person to touch it. 
you can actually score on yourself, um, which is unfortunate. Um, but it, but it is it is a thing. I don't know, Carolyn. What do you think is better? Do you think calling it an own goal if it's off your guy, or do you think that the person you know who last touched on offense, even if they weren't like they caused the goal, get it? They get credited for a goal, even though but it's counted against them. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a separate category. It's own goal category. Oh, okay, okay. Um, yeah, that's kind of rough. I like the hockey, <laughs> the hockey way. I feel is better for the player because they don't, you know, get that separate category. Or I scored on my own team, but I mean, I don't know. That's 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 a tough one. <laughs> right. It's an interesting little difference between soccer and hockey. Um, so that win was really important though because DC United was like falling fast. And if people don't know how the table works, and that's what you call the standings in soccer, if, you, if you're coming from a different sport, um, we were falling off that table pretty quick. So top seven teams in each conference make it. Um, and there's some buys that go on to, to get, you know, that's why it's not eight or whatever. Uh, DC United is sitting at seventh right now uh, with, uh, you get three points for a win, I believe. I, I think that's how it is. It's one point for a, a, um, a tie. And uh, DC United is sitting at 30 points, uh, just uh, three points or okay, one win ahead of the Columbus crew and the Atlanta United, which was uh, the, the team that they beat. So obviously it's a big win, right? Because if, you know, Atlanta United wins that game, then they're in seventh place. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be monitoring them. People don't realize soccer is a long, long season. It goes, I believe, until I want to say October and it starts in the spring. So, I mean, it's like baseball and, and maybe even longer in length. Um, and uh, so that's kind of crazy. Uh, the other big thing is the Mystics. They won a one point game, 76, 75. Uh, Natasha cloud had 21 points, six to 12 shooting. Uh, she was four for eight from three and she just kind of took over the game. Uh, she scored 15 points in the third quarter and they basically willed to come back. I mean, so going through the scoreboard real quickly, the wings were up 17 to nine after the end of the first, they outscored them 18 to 10 in the second, but the mystics outscored the wings 29 to 18 in the third quarter. I mean, that's just a huge quarter or especially in the WNBA and then they outscored them 28 22 in the fourth quarter and they only won by one so I mean they had to really just kind of dominate those last two quarters to come back and uh, all thanks to Natasha Cloud uh, for pushing them through uh, so that's key and they're another team that's right on uh, that hadn't been doing uh, particularly uh, well um, and uh, you know they've been struggling they had lost five out of their last seven uh, games, uh, but they're able to avenge a loss to Dallas on Thursday. So they just had lost to that team, 82-77. It looked like they were going to lose again, uh, but they are able to get a win. I believe the top four teams in each conference make it in the WNBA. You can correct me if I'm wrong, Carol, on that one. But uh, uh, and so, yeah, because then two teams fall off of each division. It's kind of like the uh, AFL was. And uh, Washington's now 10 and 15 and Atlanta is 6 and 19. So they're just hovering there in, in that fourth place spot. But um, Atlanta's lost 10 in a row. So they've done us a lot of favors. Um, and, but Washington's only won three out of their last 10 themselves. And they, so they find themselves four games up on that with that last spot. So we'll, we'll cover a little bit more mystics going forward too. I just, you know, 
Uh, we've been talking a lot of football and baseball the last couple of weeks. So I wanted to bring them back in the fold a little bit. Uh, and we don't have Brian on tonight to keep us uh, on our soccer toes. Uh, so um, uh, it's uh, it's an interesting time. You know, they're holding on to these final spots. But as we've talked about before, you know, with the Nationals, you just got to make it to the playoffs and you never know what's going to happen. So um, it'll be interesting to see what's going uh, forward with those. Any, any thoughts, uh, Carol, on either of those two teams uh, before we move on? Uh, and, uh, hopefully we can get back to our coverage of the misses. I just haven't had a chance to check out their games or get down to the arenas. I believe we still have credentials for them. We got to double check, but I think we still have them. But uh, yeah, uh, definitely we'll try to get into some more Mystics uh, soccer. Yeah, you know that's a, yeah, that's a no go. <laughs> not good for Carol. That's, <laughs> that's I, I tried, but yeah, it's it's not going to happen. I'm sorry. That, the next game uh, for DC United, they have a little bit of some time off. It's going to be September 11th uh, at the New York Red Bulls. And then Wednesday, September 15th, so just four days later, uh, Chicago Fire in will play in Washington at 730. Um, and then the uh, Mystics upcoming uh, schedule, I had it right here, um, is uh, the next game is against the Connecticut Sun. That's um, at 7 o'clock tomorrow. And then they'll play on Saturday at Minnesota. So uh, in the WNBA, they tend to play two, maybe three games a week. Uh, so those are the two games uh, for next week. Uh, so we'll talk about that then. Uh, but, uh, Carol, it's been a, a fun show. I really appreciate everybody for tuning in on all of our different mediums, uh, You know, whether it be on Facebook Live or on Twitch or on Carol's feeds or on uh, Carol, where are you these days? You're on Twitter too, right? Facebook, YouTube, uh, thinking about expanding uh, Instagram, streaming live. I show I'm working on that right now. So, uh, yeah, because like we mentioned, you know, some of the social media platforms suppressing our feed, you know, even having some success and getting some good views without their promotional help. So, they're basically holding our feed hostage for us to pay promotion that we don't need because we have a good fan base that enjoys our coverage that comes through our page. You know, we get almost 20 to 30,000 folks coming through our show page on a monthly basis without their assistance. So they're feeling left out and they're, you know, trying to make it so we have to purchase their promotion. So be on the lookout. We're going to be pushing our other platforms more, you know, Facebook was our largest viewing platform before all of this stuff going on. So be on the lookout. Uh, we want to have some new things coming in the works that uh trying to figure out how to make it happen. So just be on the lookout. You know, you're going to see us pushing our YouTube channels more, pushing Robbie's Twitch channel, uh, me pushing our Instagram feeds and everything like that. So when we're, when we're not wanted somewhere, we, we will leave if we have to. So that's the way it's looking like it's going. So stay tuned for so much more. You can always check out our content on sportsothp.com. You get some of the great merch that Robbie mentioned at the backdrop for the District of Champions. Shirt Robbie has on. We have for the Sports OPC apparel, partner with Eric Cusa. Got to give a shout out to the side of Eric Cusa. Also, shout out to 151 at the Bar Radio. Had another great show last night. Go check it out on our uh podcast channel at the bar radio podcast on youtube go subscribe to it or you go subscribe to my feed girl for the third with three eyes and uh check out the shows every sunday around six 
uh, Monday night sports on the Hill podcast as always, bringing you the best piece of sports coverage around. Um, other than that, man, about ready to get out of here. Appreciate y'all tuning in. Like I said, be on the lookout later on this week for our roster breakdown show. Want to watch your football team getting ready for the upcoming season. As always, appreciate the support. DC Sports about the politics. It's not just a catchphrase. It's not just a motto. It's what we do. We out. See you in two weeks.